Part two, section one of the Age of Reason by Thomas Paine. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Age of Reason, Part the Second. It has often been said that anything may be proved from the Bible, but before anything can be admitted as proved by the Bible, the Bible itself must be proved to be true. For if the Bible is not true, or the truth of it be doubtful, it ceases to have authority, and cannot be admitted as proof of anything. It has been the practice of all Christian commentators on the Bible, and of all Christian priests and preachers, to impose the Bible on a world as a mass of truth, and as the word of God. They have disputed and wrangled, and have anathematized each other about the supposable meaning of particular parts and passages therein. One has said and insisted that such a passage meant such a thing, another that it meant directly the contrary, and a third that it meant neither one nor the other, but something different from both, and this they call understanding the Bible. It has happened that all the answers which I have seen to the former part of the Age of Reason have been written by priests, and those pious men, like their predecessors, contend and wrangle, and pretend to understand the Bible. Each understands it differently, but each understands it best, and they have agreed in nothing but in telling their readers that Thomas Paine understands it not. Now, instead of wasting their time and heating themselves in fractious disputations about doctrinal points drawn from the Bible, these men ought to know, and if they do not, it is civility to inform them that the first thing to be understood is whether there is sufficient authority for believing the Bible to be the word of God, or whether there is not. There are matters in that book, said to be done by the express command of God, that are as shocking to humanity and to every idea we have of moral justice as anything done by Robespierre, by Carrier, by Joseph Le Bon in France by the english government in the east indies or by any other assassin in modern times when we read in the books ascribed to moses joshua etc that they the israelites came by stealth upon whole nations of people who as the history itself shows had given them no offence that they put all those nations to the sword that they spared neither age nor infancy, that they utterly destroyed men, women, and children, and they left not a soul to breathe. Expressions that are repeated over and over again in those books, and that too with exulting ferocity. Are we sure these things are facts? are we sure that the creator of man commissioned these things to be done are we sure that the books that tell us so were written by his authority 
it is not the antiquity of a tale that is any evidence of its truth on the contrary it is a symptom of its being fabulous for the more ancient any history pretends to be the more it has the resemblance of a fable the origin of every nation is buried in fabulous tradition and that of the jews is as much to be suspected as any other to charge the commission of acts upon the almighty which in their own nature and by every rule of moral justice are crimes as all assassination is and more especially the assassination of infants is matter of serious concern the bible tells us that those assassinations were done by the express command of god to believe therefore the bible to be true we must unbelieve all our belief in the moral justice of god for wherein could crying or smiling infants offend and to read the bible without horror we must undo everything that is tender sympathizing and benevolent in the heart of man speaking for myself if i had no other evidence that the bible is fabulous than the sacrifice i must make to believe it to be true that alone would be sufficient to determine my choice but in addition to all the moral evidence against the bible i will in the progress of this work produce such other evidence as even a priest cannot deny to show from that evidence that the bible is not entitled to credit as being the word of god but before i proceed to this examination i will show wherein the bible differs from all other ancient writings with respect to the nature of the evidence necessary to establish its authenticity and this is the more proper to be done because the advocates of the bible in their answers to the former part of the age of reason undertake to say that they put some stress thereon that the authenticity of the bible is as well established as that of any other ancient book as if our belief of the one could become any rule for our belief of the other i know however but of one ancient book that authoritatively challenges universal consent and belief and that is euclid's elements of geometry and the reason is because it is a book of self-evident demonstration entirely independent of its author and of everything relating to time place and circumstance the matters contained in that book would have the same authority they now have had they been written by any other person or had the work been anonymous or had the author never been known for the identical certainty of who was the author makes no part of our belief of the matters contained in the book but it is quite otherwise with respect to the books ascribed to moses to joshua to samuel etc those are books of testimony they testify of things naturally incredible and therefore the whole of our belief as to the authenticity of those books rests in the first place 
upon the certainty that they were written by moses joshua and samuel secondly upon the credit we give to their testimony we may believe the first that is we may believe the certainty of the authorship and yet not the testimony in the same manner that we may believe that a certain person gave evidence upon a case and yet not believe the evidence that he gave but if it should be found that the books ascribed to moses joshua and samuel were not written by moses joshua and samuel every part of the authority and authenticity of those books is gone at once for there can be no such thing as forged or invented testimony neither can there be anonymous testimony more especially as to things naturally incredible such as that of talking with god face to face or that of the sun and moon standing still at the command of a man the greatest part of the other ancient books are works of genius of which kind are those ascribed to homer to plato to aristotle to demosthenes to cicero etc here again the author is not an essential in the credit we give to any of those works for as works of genius they would have the same merit they have now were they anonymous nobody believes the trojan story as related by homer to be true for it is the poet only that is admired and the merit of the poet will remain though the story be fabulous but if we disbelieve the matters related by the bible authors moses for instance as we disbelieve the things related by homer there remains nothing of moses in our estimation but an impostor as to the ancient historians from herodotus to tacitus we credit them as far as they relate probable and credible and no further for if we do we must believe the two miracles which tacitus relates were performed by vespasian that of curing a lame man and a blind man in just the same manner as the same things are told of jesus christ by his historians we must also believe the miracle cited by josephus that of the sea of pamphylia opening to let alexander and his army pass as is related of the red sea in exodus these miracles are quite as well authenticated as bible miracles and yet we do not believe them consequently the degree of evidence necessary to establish our belief of things naturally incredible whether in the bible or elsewhere is far greater than that which obtains our belief to natural and probable things and therefore the advocates for the bible have no claim to our belief of the bible because that we believe things stated in other ancient writings since we believe the things stated in these writings no further than they are probable and credible or because they are self-evident like euclid or admire them because they are elegant like homer or approve them because they are sedate like plato or judicious like aristotle end of part two section one